0: welcome into the studio hidden nation you got josh carey right here your hidden entrepreneur and more than ever that is so important as you'll see for the sake of this very conversation so you're going to want to tune in closely and pull up and settle in you're tuned right into 710 WOR the voice of new york And anytime you want, all you got to do is download that free iHeartRadio app. You can literally listen to the entire back catalog of this show or any show you want. That also includes all kinds of music, all of your favorite genres, and they're always adding to it. So download the free app and check out what's available. Hidden Nation, I wasn't kidding when I said I am so excited for this show because it speaks directly to me which you know it will speak directly to you. We're joined by my good friend, Nastasia Brown, who is the author of the upcoming new book available right now to pre-order on Amazon. It's called Anointed. Got to hear her story. This one is for you. Welcome to the program, Nastasia.
1: Thank you, Josh. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Thank you so much.
0: Happy to have you, especially because I know at least part of your story, right? My goodness, I can't even claim to know your story, Um, Mm -hmm. but I know the highlights, which which are extraordinary. So I want to thank you in advance for going there, because as the listener will realize, we're talking about some very really serious circumstances that you found yourself in and the reason we're going to dig into this specifically is so the listener can identify their own their own version of what they've gone through or what they're going through is that kind of the mindset of why we're doing this in the first place
1: Yes, Josh, I think it's so important to just kind of rationalize and just kind of analyze where you are with things. And so in anointed, it's pretty much me doing that after, you know, pushing it down deep for so long and disassociating, learning how to, I guess, find myself home.
0: Yeah. So to to paint the pink picture, you're you're a single mother. Yes. Uh, How many children do you have? I
1: just have one daughter, one daughter you
0: one you have one daughter and the the heart and soul of your story revolves around you as a kidnapping victim and a sexually assault victim and a survivor really mm-hmm. but what's extraordinary is that these events you were kidnapped uh about five or six years ago, right? In 2017 right. for yes. one week as an adult, yes. right? So so I want to talk about what, what that was like and what happened there and then double back to what might've led to it. So just as, as best you can, paint the picture of what was that experience when you were kidnapped?
1: For probably like the first half of, being away and being kidnapped, it felt very surreal. Um, I grew up kind of already, you know, being a, you know, very proficient at disassociating and internalizing. So the whole time it felt as if what was my reality was not my reality. And I think that that saved me um, during the whole duration because it was hard to kind of really face the choices that I made to have led me to be held hostage and not able to go home, uh, so far away from my actual home. Um, so I, I think that I just, it didn't feel real. It, it did not feel real. Um, and then there was a lot of fear, like a lot of paralyzing fear. Um, when I did kind of cross that line of reality, like, okay, I can't go home. Um, this guy is holding me responsible. Um, I am not, you know, I'm not, trained in this. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so there was a lot of teetering back and forth with reality. And it it was just harrowing. Um, I used to say that I was, you know, grateful that he let me live and grateful that, you know, I was rescued and just kind of, you know, stepping into the woman that I am now. And with healing, it's like, no, that was wrong, you know, and we all have our own choices to make. And we all, you know, essentially know right from wrong. And so, to hold somebody against their will is is wrong. Um, so it it was just a lot of emotions that I felt like were pent up, um, and I was just kind of trying to save myself from my reality by disassociating to what was really happening in front
0: of me. How did this? How did it actually happen?
1: Um. So I was very very reckless when I went away to college. I was very. Um, we'll say reckless again I just had no care in the world after being sexually assaulted Um, I called myself a you know massive tornado I was destroying anything in my path and I I just didn't care and so I had a lot of bad company I was dealing with a lot of you know bad people and I was dating a guy that was a drug dealer in DC and he was you know one of the pretty big ones Um, he did like weed and cocaine so For me, I felt cool. It felt like, oh wow! Like here I am, you know, skipping death again. Nothing's happening to me. I'm just doing what I want to do. And you felt significant,
0: right? It made you feel that you were important.
1: Yeah, yeah. It made me feel like I had attention. It's not the good kind of attention, but it 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 kept me away from myself. To be honest, I didn't want to be with myself. I didn't want to sit with myself. So I was hungry for anything and everything that would just, you know, pull me away from myself, not make me think about, you know, Mm. the again, that I have Mm. been making. And so me and this guy were dating and it was, you know, going, okay, very toxic. That was like my theme back then, very toxic. And so, uh, we, you know, cut ties because I was doing my own thing and I don't think that he really liked that. And so, um, this guy that I was dating, basically, uh, we were hanging out with another guy. Guys were my theme. Um, Definitely men and just not the good type of men. That was my theme. So just partying all the time and again, doing what I wanted to do. Um, The guy that I was dating basically asked me when I was hanging out with the guy that kidnapped me if I knew anyone who had a certain amount of uh, marijuana to sell. And I don't even know how in this coincidence that that guy had the exact amount that he wanted to um, get rid of. He gave me a story that his corner boy got robbed and he just really needed some to get off. And so I thought me being the empathetic person that I was, I thought that I could help both of them. Well, you know, he needs some and you need to give it away. Coincidentally, it's the same amount. So you guys can, you know, talk to each other. Um, The guy at the time, Adam, was... You know, a little apprehensive, and I did my best to try to make him feel comfortable. I still don't know why. Um, like I, oh, I know him, and you know he's cool, and I even let them have a conversation amongst themselves to make the final decision if that's what they wanted to do. And it turns out that um, you know the the guy that I was dealing with did not have good intentions, and so we prepared everything, and um, I made the choice to go and you know exchange the drugs because I something. And my spirit was just telling me that I needed to be the one to go. I don't, again, know why. I just felt like I need to go. Um, I cannot let him go. It was in the middle of the night. We drove to the park that's directly um, across the street from campus. And I got in his car. And um, they wanted to look at the weed. And they wanted to just kind of examine it. And that kept going on until I had no more with me. And then at that point, I heard the gun cock. And he told me to get out of the car. And so um, I think, you know, fight or flight response, like I freaked out and I got very upset and I was just trying to like reason with him and let him know that like, you cannot send me back to this car with like nothing. Um, I was kind of trying to like figure out what was going on in his head to why he was making this choice. Um, but I felt that I should have known better because he was never the type to do his own dirty work in dealing with him and just kind of see how he operated, he always used other people. So it should have been a red flag that someone else was in the car. But I just I don't know, I I didn't pay attention. I was very reckless. And so um, I was like pleading with him and kind of fighting with him. And the guy turns around and puts the gun to my head. And I told him like, you know, I will get out, I, I will leave, um, just let me go. And then they proceeded to drive off. And that's when I got really, really scared. And it was like, if they leave here, I don't think I'm going to be alive. There's no way that I'm going to be able to make it. Mm. Um, So I just like pleaded and pleaded and pleaded. And um, as they were driving off, I kind of just like opened the door and like hopped out. And um, that's how all of this started. Uh, My the guy that I was dealing with robbed me at gunpoint for things that he said he was going to pay for that. I don't think he ever had any intention to pay for
0: And then they took you to to a house for a week.
1: Yes. So I got back into the car with Adam and um, I had a friend with me and I told him, you know, they took it and he, yeah, he lost his cool and he got really upset and he tried to follow um, the guy's vehicle for whatever reason. And I was like telling him, no, they have guns. Like, I don't think you want to do that. So then we go back to his house and that's when it started. That's when it started. I think he was under the impression that I was in on it. Or that I set him up, obviously, because I'm the one who facilitated everything. And so it just it got bigger than I can handle very, very quickly, very, very quickly.
0: So that's it's it's so crazy that that was the sort of the climax, right, of everything where you've been, where you've coming from. And it wasn't lost that you said a few times in that story that you don't know what drew you to that. So I know that you're all about, especially with the title of your book, Anointed, right? It's all about God and the mm-hmm. grace, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a very religious and connection to God throughout all this. You almost feel that it was necessary because nothing else was shaking you out of that. It just had to, it had to go to some extreme
1: I agree. I actually, while riding anointed, um, I visited a church with one of my mentors who was helping me through this process. And one of the women came up to me and she, I've never seen this woman in my life. And she told me, God told me to tell you that he spared you uh, by this much. And she had just a small amount um, and, you know, in between her two fingers. And I just cried and cried and cried because I always felt, like, oh, I, you know, escaped death, but it was just between me. So for that to be confirmed was really rattling to my core because I I just, I just knew that if I did not get out of that car, I probably would not be here today. there There's just no way. There's no way.
0: Oh, you mean they would have taken your life in that first car? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so something bigger than yourself as as the same thing that got you to the car got you out of the car and on yeah. this path yeah what mm-hmm. was the what w- when were you sexually assaulted in this timeline um in the
1: in or beginning of 2017 uh when i bef- the first night before i started classes in dc
0: so you're you're how old at that point i'm only 17 Oh, you were 17 at that point. Yeah, because my birthday is not till the end of the year. So I went to college at 17 years old. So what what was growing up like? So take us from all that that got you onto this path.
1: So uh, (laughs) anointed is definitely not just about the, you know. (laughs) Extraordinary circumstances that I found myself in as an adult. It's also me taking a dive deeper into my childhood um and I would say growing up we had everything that we wanted yet there was a lot of it was very tense um it was very very toxic in my household there was a lot of verbal abuse unfortunately I did witness a lot of you know domestic violence between my parents and it just I did not realize until I became an adult that it tore me into pieces hmm. and my whole life I was trying to pick up those pieces and I didn't even know what was wrong. So I know that my parents love me um, and I know that they tried really, really hard, especially me, me being a mom today. I just, you know, anointed is, you know, me letting people know that it's so important for you to know what's going on inside of you and your circumstances so that you are not bleeding out onto the people that you love the most because it becomes uncontrollable And it becomes a whole environment that is like toxic and it's really, really hard to heal from that and to want, you know, other people to heal. So I had a very unorthodox um, childhood environment. And I think that denial just was, was breeded into us, all of us, um, denial and just disassociation and avoidance. Like, I think those are the things that kind of raised us
0: being held captive for a week is um, it's mind numbing. I can't imagine um, you must have is it just every cycle of emotion? Like did you're holding on to hope you're holding on to anger, right? Fear. How do you are you preparing for the worst case? How do you navigate these days?
1: I think the first two were just a paralyzing fear again, because it was just like, I don't know what this guy is going to do. And then I was scared of, you know, the guy that actually robbed me because I knew, you know, the type of person that he was. So I was constantly feeling like, is he going to come back to, you know, finish the job? Like, he doesn't, he doesn't do this. Um, I know that he doesn't work this way. So me getting away felt like, you know, he was always around the corner And then it transformed into like, how can I help this guy that has me kidnapped because it's, it's not his fault. I had a very Hmm. like shameful attitude for a very long time. And I, you know, put a lot of pressure on myself. Like, this is your fault, you know, like you need to try to help because he wouldn't have been here if you didn't facilitate Hmm. this whole thing. So then I'm, you know, stuck trying to help him, but I was constantly battling with the fact that it's like, I don't think like I didn't ask for this and I had genuine intentions. I just wanted to help. So how did me trying to help turn into all of this, right? Like it just, it kept getting bigger than what I thought. And then when we did get rescued and we had to go to witness protection, I think that's when I just kind of fell apart because I realized that I hurt my parents. I realized that my parents were actually scared. Hmm. I realized that the whole world now knew of like my vulnerability and the nasty choice that I made. it it just was too much for me to kind of handle. So I just did what I could. And um, I disassociated and I tried to avoid the people in my case at that time were very um, good about trying to, you know, have help me have emotional awareness. Um, I lost my friend and my grandmother when I got released from witness protection. So it was just it was just too much. Um, I was just wanting to go home uh, because I was still in DC. And everything in me just wanted to go home at that point i felt like every choice that i made it was just kind of like bricks falling on me like from every every point after the kidnapping it just was bricks more bricks more bricks so it was just very it was very debilitating it was very paralyzing and i think it contribute contributed to the individual that i was um i was just another
0: like a human hmm. tornado literally hidden nation you're tuned into my discussion with nastasia brown author of the upcoming book available now for pre-sale on Amazon. It's called Anointed. She's a uh, kidnapping and sexual assault survivor, helping us navigate the intricacies of everything we go through as human beings. Nastasia, what was, you could have easily continued this cycle even after that horrendous situation where the kidnapping uh, completed and you were rescued. What changed that allowed you to no longer pursue those roots?
1: I think losing my friend and my grandmother after was kind of a wake up call that, you know, life is short and I wanted to grieve, you know, them. And then, you know, to be honest, it's my daughter. After having my daughter, just kind of everything change. And I started to realize all of the things that I, you know, was packing up inside of me that I wasn't releasing. And I just wanted to be better for her because I could really see how all of these things that I went through, though, I tried to separate them from myself. um, It's still me. So I just really wanted to do the work for my daughter, really.
0: Shame is real. How do you overcome that? How do you get through that?
1: I think I'm still getting through it, to be honest, Josh, and what helps me is, you know, really just having self-validation, um, remaining calm, you know, because life still throws you many, many storms, and just finding, you know, that relationship with God that that keeps me grounded um, because I think that now that the book is out, people may have a false, um, you know, realization of who I really am, and I'm still very much struggling. Um, it was not easy to you know, put myself on this vulnerable pedestal. But I'm, I'm still learning and I'm still growing. And I think that God is the only thing that keeps me grounded. Um, I don't know if shame is something that you will ever overcome uh, completely when you have a, you know, track record like I have, I think it constantly tries to mess with me. But just standing firm and you know what you believe in and the help that you want to give yourself and the work that you're doing. um, It helps.
0: When we were talking off air, you made a comment that I wrote down and remembered, you said that you're not ready for this transformation. Tell me more.
1: <laughs> I just, um, it's its still been a challenge. i I honestly, I don't know what I'm doing. I know that may sound unorthodox to people that may, it may look calculated, but I just, I'm not ready to merge the two worlds that I have kept separate for so long. Um, I feel like after all of those things took place, I just kept it to myself, and I did my best to live a different life in California, away from all of the pain and the just harrowing decisions that I made, and now these two women are meeting face-to-face, and it feels a lot scarier than I thought.
0: Which two women? Spell that out for
1: us. Um, The little girl that had to become a woman before she was ready, and the woman that has taken taken on healing and vulnerability and being a single mother as like a shield of confidence, these two women are meeting. And it's hard because I feel like I wanted to give that little girl so much of what I have now. Um, So I'm also grieving my younger self because she went through so much and she didn't know anything at all. And all she wanted to do was help. So I'm, you know, trying to let them have, you know, a, a face-to-face meeting and just kind of be okay with it because they've been shielded from each other for so long, for so long.
0: What is the day-to-day and ongoing work inside and otherwise that you do?
1: Um, Therapy is really, really big. I was doing about three classes a week. I had checked myself into a you know, outpatient program. Um, And so that has kind of, you know, simmered down with the book, but it's really just finding time for meditation. I do enjoy uh, yoga. I do read my Bible very, very often. Um, Devotionals, journaling, podcasts, um, just really filling myself up with the right stuff. I heard once that if your glass is filled with, you know, dirt and you're trying to pour clean water, It takes much longer for that dirty water to get out rather than your glass is filled with clean water. And you throw a little bit of dirt in there. It's much easier for the dirt to escape. So that's just what my day in and day out looks like is trying to make sure that my glass is filled with clean water.
0: I absolutely love that analogy. How old is your daughter? She's two. What do you do deliberately? Uh, to to raise her with who you are and what you know?
1: Um, I struggle because I feel like working on myself is taking time away from her. So that's like an ongoing battle. But I think the biggest thing in my parenting now is just speaking affirmations over her and to her. Because it's not that my parents didn't tell me they loved me or that I was beautiful. But we also heard a lot of negatives that unfortunately merged our thinking as adults and influenced, you know how we feel about ourselves so just loving on her and being present for her and not so much you know trying to change her but just trying to understand her and be what she needs even at two years old like I just really want my daughter to know that she has a safe space so constantly trying to build that for her through myself through our environment through her peace Um, just really, really understanding like who she is and how I can help her. How can I constantly adapt to, you know, the challenges of a toddler, um, just be available for her emotionally, mentally, physically, because I feel like my parents were physically there, but emotionally and mentally, they were not available.
0: Where do you see yourself currently? Are you, are you overjoyed? Are you proud? Are you happy and content? Are you somewhere in the middle? What credit do you give yourself today?
1: Oh, cause that's so funny. I was going to say I'm actually overwhelmed. Um, but if I had it's, I still struggle with this, um, self validation and, you know, giving myself credit. Cause I still feel like there's so much work to do Um, but on a positive note, I would say that I am, I am proud of myself for the work that I have done for continuing to try to work and for accomplishing something that I never ever thought that I would, um, just fighting every day, every day is something that I'm very proud of because it's not easy.
0: Writing the book anointed, uh, I imagine has been part of your therapy. Oh yes.
1: Yeah, it was it was actually debilitating. I was I kept going back to my mentor like I don't want to do this because the bodily um sensations were arising every time I would try to write it out and
0: mm-hmm. it was
1: you know the I suffer from complex PTSD and you know I I kept understanding like what that really is. Um it's being back there. It's you know your heart racing and your hands sweating while I'm working overnight just trying to write a chapter it's the headaches. It's like, it, 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 it was crazy. It was honestly crazy um, trying to get this out onto paper because it was like, it's still a war that I'm fighting eternally. Um, it, it was definitely hard, but it was healing because once I pushed through um, I could breathe.
0: What is the message you have for the listener who is somewhere where you've been in your journey?
1: Uh, to just keep fighting. And that doesn't always mean, you know, some intense or, you know, big grand gesture that you're making. Sometimes it's just opening your eyes and and choosing to live that day. Because I think that a lot of people get mistaken that, oh, you know, if you're, you know, depressed or you're lazy that you're not fighting. And uh, for a long time, me just going from my bed to my couch was, you know, me fighting for that day. So I just want to encourage everyone that whatever your fight looks like, it does not have to be grand. It just, it just starts with you making the choice that I'm going to live today. And sometimes that choice is very, very hard
0: to make. Can the listener get in touch with you directly to communicate? Yes.
1: yes I have Instagram, Facebook. Um, I just want everyone to know that I'm still very much approachable I'm, you know, adjusting and I'm adapting, but I do not want anyone to feel like, you know, they can't reach out to me or they can't ask me questions because that's what this is about. Um, my Instagram is Ray's Anointed or Stagy Ray. And my Facebook is under Nastasia Brown.
0: Nastasia Brown, beautiful inside and out. You are an inspiration and I am so thrilled to know you. And to continue to be with you and follow along this journey because we are all in the same boat here. You know that.
1: Mhm. Mhm. Thank you, Josh. I'm happy to be here. I was a little nervous, as you know, off air, but um, it went a lot better than I was expecting for myself. Um, constantly, you know, trying to give myself grace and kindness because it's it's still hard.
0: There you go. And if we don't give ourselves grace and kindness. Who else can we expect to give it to us? Nobody. Give it to yourself. Give it to yourself. Well, there you go. Such an important conversation. Again, thank you, Nastasia, for going there, for opening up in this uh, very sensitive yet important conversation. And thank you, Hidden Nation, for tuning in. Please get in touch with Nastasia. We'll link to her socials in and around this episode. Go on Amazon. Pre-order the book, Anointed. You'll get all of the insight you require. That's it for now. Thank you so much for investing your time. We're going to do it again until we meet again. Take care. Be well.